Hey guys, this is Tori with The Resident Review. Today I'm joined by Hani and we're gonna be talking about rounding and presentations. This is gonna be a part of our Back to Basics series on topics in plastic surgery to help you prepare at any level, especially for our medical students and interns just getting started. So today our episode's gonna be short and sweet, just like your presentation should be on rounds. Oh my God. Off with a bang. Yeah. We're (laughs) ready to go. Yeah. Let's do it. Rounding and presentation. So do you remember your first time kind of preparing lists and getting numbers? Yeah. I remember being like a frantic sub-I trying to make sure my list looked perfect every morning, having my white out next to me, making sure I didn't make any mistakes, which I always did because it was like four in the morning, but yeah, it's an overwhelming experience. You know, you think back, you're like, making the list. Okay, sure. But at the time, you know, second year medical student trying to pre-round on your patients, each patient takes like half an hour. Then you're an intern and it takes you like 15 minutes to get all your numbers. I know it's, it's like, it's an amazing experience. Kind of the end of intern year where you're like, all right, it'll take me like 10 minutes to do this. <laughs> and then like jokes on you. Cause in PGY two year, you go to the ICU and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 wait there are tabs and numbers I didn't even know existed. Exactly. <laughs> How do you know all of this information about the drips? Where are you getting this? Yes. Oh my God. I remember midway through intern year, I was asked whether one of our ICU patients was on pressers. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> How do you it's find not that? in their med list? How would I know? <laughs> but yes, this is an important Really, this is actually a really important um, topic, just because I think that for especially for medical students, um, this is how you demonstrate your competence. I think one of the main ways that you demonstrate your competence. And so I hope this conversation can kind of get people a little bit comfortable with what the expectations are, what our experiences were and things like that. Definitely. I think this will be a really helpful topic, especially for all our sub eyes out there because it is sub eye season. Yeah. So getting numbers. Um, how, what was your approach? What, what matters the most when you're getting numbers? Well, I think the caveat to this whole conversation and, and we'll kind of color how we talk about this is that it's very service dependent. And I think we've all been on different services with very different kinds of patients, but for plastic surgery specifically, you know, you're always thinking about the fact that your patient just had surgery. And so you're kind of thinking about complications and that's what's driving what you're looking for, you know, making sure that people recover from anesthesia. Okay. And they're not having urinary retention or they're not bleeding out somewhere that you can't see or having some reaction to, you know, whatever it is you did or where you were working. And so as a medical student, I think part of the reason that, that this is so important. And like you said, shows your competence is because the more familiar you get with the numbers and why people care about them, the better you understand the care of your patients. And so when you're able to present on rounds and talk about why a number matters, you know, I think this is something that we kind of try really hard and we're not always great at to teach medical students. Um, it was okay. Like the hemoglobin downtrended. Why are you worried about it? What do you want to do about it? And so the numbers drive that learning experience and that sort of show of understanding. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree. I think that that you don't realize which numbers are important and why initially, especially as a MS2, but that is one of the priorities is asking people why the numbers are important on whatever service you are. So the drain outputs matter because you want to know if someone's bleeding into their drain, right? You want to know the quality of the drain because you want to know if 
they're, oh, well, this isn't a plastics thing, but you want to know if they have a bile leak if you know just did something. Yeah. Kyle, yeah. bile, hematoma, seroma, exactly. lymph leak. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing to say that the drains are serosanguineous, but but what does that mean? Yeah. So if you want to contextualize getting numbers, understand a little bit of the, the most common complications that happen with the surgeries that we're doing. Exactly. So, and then in regards to the actual workflow, so, and I'll talk about my own kind of how I get numbers, right? You show up in the morning, you log into Epic, and then you have your list. And then when you have your list, usually it's the patients that were operated on by the service that we're rounding on. For every patient that you go through, usually you want to know if there are any acute events overnight, right? Because everyone knows the patients before they had left work. Some people know what happened overnight just because they're more senior and they know how to do things. But in general, you want to have any acute events overnight. And then the first sign of a major complication is any vitals derangements. So if someone is hypotensive because they're bleeding out, you want to know that if they're tachycardic because they're getting septic, you want to know that as well. And everything has different time points and there are more nuances to this, but first you want to know the acute events overnight. Then you want to know the vitals. And then the rest of the numbers that really matter come down to kind of the ins and outs, the lab findings. Um, and then even though this isn't numbers, you always want to review the notes because nurse, some nursing notes can have really important information. Tori, do you have anything to add? No, I think you did a great job summarizing that. And I think the real art form of presenting on rounds is, is figuring out how to say all of that really eloquently and efficiently without sort of, you know, you're you're telling the story, you're telling the story of how that patient's night went in like six sentences with these like random numbers. Um, but you're, you're synthesizing that for the rest of the team. And I think as the intern, you kind of understand that that's your job as the medical student. Sometimes you feel a little ancillary or like you're just performing this task or this, you know, performance that people are asking you to do for no reason, because they already know all the numbers, but at the end of the day, like it's a big learning experience for you to be able to look at the chart and have a a clear understanding of like how this patient is doing. That is a big step. Yeah. And I think that navigating the EMR is really, really, really important. So before your rotation starts, or even the first day, either ask a friend who has done the rotation or ask the intern or ask anyone to help you navigate the EMR, because that will save you a lot of pain. And you asking people how to, how they navigate the EMR shows initiative. It shows that you care. It's not going to be seen as, as kind of an incompetence in any way, unless you're like the, at the end of your sub eye and you're just now asking how to get numbers. This should be something that's done before your rotation begins or at the very beginning. Yeah. And especially, you know, shout out to all my Epic people. Love you guys, but Um, not the most intuitive system one has ever used. So no one expects you to magically be able to find all this stuff. And and as we alluded to, there were times where Hani and I couldn't find, you know, the thing that we were looking for, or like somehow everybody knew it, but we didn't. And it's not because we weren't in Epic looking at the same patient. We just didn't know where to look. And there's a lot of ways to set that up in Epic, but you may not know it until you ask someone. So, you know, show some initiative and, and ask your fellow medical students who are savvy or ask your intern or ask your senior resident and, and always ask what they care about. You know, you're starting a new rotation. You might be on gynonc, you might be on internal medicine, you might be on surgery. They're all going to want different things. And so if you're starting your plastic surgery rotation, your sub eye, you're at a different away rotation, you're at an institution you don't normally rotate at. The best thing you can do is be proactive and ask 
how does your senior like for you to report numbers? How do they like their list? Definitely. And so talking about preparing lists, Tori, do you think that second year students should be preparing lists or is it more of a sub I slash intern role? Like who's supposed to make the list and are lists made kind of on every service slash everywhere? Yeah, I, again, going to lead strong with a really vague answer. And I think it really depends. Um, I think it depends what service you're on and what the sort of historical roles have been. I remember being a second year medical student on my gynonc rotation. They had this like really specific way that they printed their list and prepared their list. And so we were the students on service and we did it. And, and I think that was really valuable because suddenly I was the sub I on my plastic sub I, my first rotation back as a fourth year medical student making the list using the same printer. And, um, it wasn't always the most straightforward process. And so I think having some practice with that is helpful, but I think you know, the first and foremost goal of your second year when you're on clerkship is clerkships is just figuring out which numbers matter for your patients. And so finding a way that's efficient for you to get the information you need to give your presentations, it's going to take you way longer when you first start out. And so getting efficient at that um, then prepares you to be the fourth year on, on service, um, making the list for your whole team. And, and I think that's a great job for sub eyes. Not every rotation does it. We do it. Um, and I think it's, it's a really a time for them to highlight their ability to reliably and accurately get information, because even though it feels kind of like a quiz at the end of the day, that's what the interns are doing. The interns are getting that information and reporting it to the team. And so if you're going to be a sub intern and show sort of what your capability is, I think it's a great way to do that in a way that you can really help contribute to the team. Yeah. If lists are being made by the intern, if there's a offer to help. And then have them kind of, I don't know, delegate in a certain way. Um, and then if they are making lists, kind of take note of what they're making. So if they have a, if they have a list and it looks a certain way, that means that that's the standard by which you should be making your lists as well. You don't want a list that looks extremely different than the interns because then, you know, you're not doing the job right. Um, and ultimately, it's the interns' kind of responsibility in a way to have that done. So just check in, check in with the intern. But then I think we can go on to presentations because that is kind of the bulk of I don't know what's important um, when it comes to rounds. And once again, this is team dependent. And from my experience on a plastic surgery rotation, usually our presentations are short and sweet, just like this episode. <laughs> it should be 45 seconds to a minute. Again, you should be able to really convey confidently the pertinent information. And that takes time and you won't, you won't be good at it at the beginning, but that's why when you're on rounds, you should be listening actively to what um, the sub eyes are saying. Sometimes the interns will present in a really weird way. And that's just because they have a dynamic with their seniors that you aren't a part of. You should be a little bit more formal than the, than the seniors. So either ask them what, what to expect, how to present well, or kind of key into maybe another sub eye on your service or something like that. And we'll give you a couple of example cases at the end. But and yeah. I think you can always sort of rely on the standard SOAP format. So doing your subjective, your objective, your assessment and plan, and, and, and always leading with your one-liner. Um, you can never go wrong with that. And I think to Hani's point, like the best thing you can do is just be proactive, whether it's making the list or making your presentations or figuring out how you're going to help on rounds, ask, especially if you're a visiting sub eye because you're not going to necessarily know exactly what to do the first day. Nobody expects that, but be proactive so that you can figure it out early. And that way you can really show yourself, your skills, uh, and your knowledge for the team. 
And if you're proactive, you're going to do well. I think what the next level is, is understanding everything that you're saying, right? So if you're a medical student and you give a SOAP presentation and it flows really well, that's awesome. But if you say ERAS and you don't know what ERAS this institution is, then it shows that you don't entirely understand what you're talking about, right? Or if you if you kind of don't understand, we use bioptics here at uh, Duke. If you don't know what bioptics is and what tissue oxygenation, like what a tissue oxygenation sensor is, then then ask about it because you saying that the bioptics was like 70%. Like, I don't know if you think the flap is dying or if it's alive. Right. <laughs> so did the probe come off or is that for real, for real? Because if it's for real, for real, you're about to make a whole lot of people upset on rounds. And so you don't want to do that unless you know, for sure. Yeah, exactly. But if you know, for sure, then good on you. Cause you just like alerted the team and they didn't know yet. And then they're going to look at you like a hero. Yeah. So no, know what you're talking about. Obviously this is all in an ideal world. This isn't day one, probably by day 15, you should really start to understand what you're talking about. Um, but kind of to tie some of these vague concepts that we're talking about together, we have a certain standard of how we make presentations, right? So I'm going to do an example case, Tori, you're going to do an example case, which example case would you like to start with? Um, I think we should start off with a, a classic plastic surgery deep presentation, free flap. All right, let's do it. Um, I'll give it since that's probably a little bit simpler and you're now a PGY three. Um, oh, wow. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in doing so again, I'm going to go one liner. I'm going to go subjective, objective assessment plan. If I miss things, uh, you know, don't quote me, uh, this is all off the cuff. So yeah, we did not prepare these. So <laughs> we're just, go- this is, this is how good you'll be. You practice. You should just give yeah. the, give it by memory. That's what Hani's about to do. So so to start, let's say that this is a 66-year-old female, history of invasive ductal carcinoma of the right breast, status post, unilateral skin-sparing mastectomy with extended deep flap or another kind of deep flap. Anyway, um, subjectively overnight, um, this is post-op day one. So subjectively, the patient reports minimal pain. She was able to eat this morning. She has yet, not yet passed a bowel movement. She otherwise has no complaints. Objectively, she's afebrile. Um, her blood pressure is within normal range. Highest systolic was 140. And then uh, pulse was within normal limits as well. Physical exam wise, the flap is warm, well perfused. Cap refill is around two seconds. It is, um, we can say, we can also talk about the bioptics and the Cook Dopplers. You can say that the Cook Dopplers um, are biphasic and that the bioptics shows a tissue oxygenation of 80%, which is stable throughout the night. Drains. She has two JP drains um, in her breast. They put out 20 and 10 overnight, let's say, and two from her abdominal donor site, which put out 30 and 40. And then you can also say that her abdominal incision is clean, dry, and intact. And there's no palpable hematoma under the flap or the abdomen. Um, Labs-wise, hemoglobin was 9.9 from 12 pre-op, and otherwise labs are normal. No new imaging to report. In summary... This is a 66-year-old female post-op day one from a unilateral deep flap um, to the right breast. We are ERAS. So what that we're doing the ERAS protocol, which includes multimodal analgesia. She, we will keep the Foley today, take it out tomorrow. Um, and it's been a couple months of plastics, but I think that our ERAS protocol mobilizes them the first day as well. And then for DVT prophylaxis, we're doing heparin sub-Q starting today. And I think that that's kind of sums up kind of what I would think of for a post-update one deep presentation. 
Yeah. Perfect. I think, you know, as Hani said, he kind of highlighted the really important things to think about. So one, you want to point everyone on the team's attention to the fact that this is post-op day one patient. They're going to contextualize everything you're saying totally differently than if you say this is a post-op day three uh, deep flat patient and she has not had a bowel movement yet and is is barely tolerating food, right? Whereas if I'm, you're on post-op day one, you're like, okay, they've barely like awoken from anesthesia. So um, that's an important thing. And then, you know, talking about the exam, is the, is of the utmost importance when you're talking about free flaps. And if you're presenting that on rounds, you should know how to describe the flap and you should at least have some sense of what to look for by asking your residents so that you can say on rounds, you know, if you notice a clinical change in the flap that you're not just saying that, um, and again, alerting a bunch of people to something that could be really stressful for them, uh, if it's not accurate. So if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't know something, say it. And I think that's another pearl of this podcast and this topic. If you don't know something, join the club. You know, we don't all know everything. If you missed something or if you forgot to recheck the labs and the labs weren't back, just say, I didn't get a chance to see it. Don't make something up because you will look terrible and everyone will remember that. And also it just doesn't show that you're honest. And if anything, like, what do we care about in a future resident? People who are working hard and honest. So that's my little soapbox to add on to Hannah's presentation. <laughs> no, that's, that's all extremely pertinent, extremely pertinent. And I think that, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily hear this all the time before you're doing rotations, right? So be honest, that is the most important characteristic in a human being in general. And then also in a resident, especially because you don't, you want someone who's reliable. You don't want to be kind of a dangerous, right? So be honest. Totally. Okay. You want to do one more presentation? Yeah. Which, All right. Which one are you feeling? I think let's go, let's go hernia repair. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to get a little, we're just going to like be on the cusp of general surgery here. So we're going to add in a little bit more information. Um, so this is Mr. F. He's a 70 year old male with a history of a large ventral hernia from prior midline laparotomy incision in the past. And he is post-op day three from a ventral hernia repair with bilateral component separation and mesh underlay repair. He is doing well this morning. He reports that he's still having some intermittent nausea and he is tolerating some clears, but he is overall not taking in solid food yet. He says his pain is relatively well controlled. He was up and ambulating yesterday, which he was able to complete one lap around the unit. He feels like he needs to pass gas, but he hasn't yet. And then in terms of his PT, he was able to work with PT yesterday, which he said went well. Objectively, his vital signs are within normal limits. He's been afebrile. He had labs this morning. His hemoglobin, hemoglobin is stable at nine from 10 yesterday. His electrolytes are... Um, within normal limits with the exception of his potassium, which was 3.2 from four yesterday. And he otherwise did not have any other new laboratory values or imaging on his exam. He's alert and awake and oriented. He feels a bit distended in his abdominal exam. He is moderately distended and tympanic to percussion, but he, his belly overall is soft and he's reporting some mild tenderness with palpation. He's otherwise breathing comfortably on room air and he has no lower extremity edema. 
In terms of the plan for him today, he is post-op day three at this point and uh, sort of slow to wake up in terms of his GI function. He hasn't been passing gas and seems a little bit more distended today. So I'm a little concerned that he could be having a post-operative ileus. I think if he continues to be distended throughout the day and if he becomes more nauseous, then we could consider putting in an NG tube and scaling back his diet and making sure that his medications are going through his IV instead of PO so that he can absorb them. Otherwise, I think he should continue to ambulate around the unit uh, with the nurses today and work with PT and continue to wear his abdominal binder. That's my plan. Oh, that was awesome. That was incredible. 10 out of 10 med student presentation right there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I can graduate from fourth year of medical school now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that was, that was exactly with a hernia patient. You want to make sure that they're not having a raging ileus postoperatively because they could aspirate if they vomit. Right. And that's really important. You also want to make sure that whatever kind of if there was a lysis of adhesions for their kind of intestinal adhesions, you want to make sure that they're not leaking bowel contents into their, into their just peritoneum, you know? So the physical exam matters to know that there's no peritonitis, that there's no hemodynamic instability and things like that. So all really important points. Yeah. And I did forget to include their white count. So in retrospect, that would have been important too, to make sure that they're <laughs> having some raging bowel. Oh, I should have paused you and just asked what your white count in the middle of the presentation, not let you speak. just finish the point. Okay. Presentation done. <laughs> I got the white count. You're fired. <laughs> but but again, I, like that just goes to show that even we forget things sometimes. And so the most important thing as a medical student, right? We were all nervous giving presentations, all of us. And if someone tells you they weren't nervous, then they're either a psychopath or they're lying. Um, I guess some people like, like public speaking, but you're always worried that you're going to forget something and you're trying to make sure you say everything right. And you look like cool, calm and collected and you're not reading your notes, but like you have notes. So at the end of the day, like you can forget something that's totally normal, but you should have that information. So then at the end of your presentation, you know, your senior resident might, you know, try to wax poetic for a minute or so before they realize that they are rounding for too long and they're going to be late to the operating room, but they may be like, okay, well, why do you think they have an ileus and why isn't this a leak? And so what's the white count? What was their max temperature overnight? And so you may not have remembered, or you may not have felt like it was pertinent if it was normal to include it, but you should have it because um, then when people ask follow-up questions, you, they know you did all of the research that you needed, you have everything, but you still gave a really short and sweet presentation with, which ultimately is the goal. Yeah, exactly. I don't really have much more to add. I think that this is, this is great. I think that we kind of hit some of the most important topics. And once again, the most important thing is to just kind of ask people what you're supposed to do and then try hard. And, I and think then show off because you've been working hard and, show off. and that's, that's what rounds are for. Yeah, exactly. I hope this was helpful. Stay tuned for our next back to basics episodes and see you next time. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me, honey. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.